Hey guys, this is JT Neal from Bless This Mess. I'm here with Elias, and you're listening to the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, Blue. A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more from deep inside the man cave. Your host, Elias. JT, welcome to the cave. Thank you so much for having me in the cave. How are you, man? What's new with you? Uh, not much. We're uh, we're about to close out the uh, the season of Bless This Mess season two. Uh, we have like a week and a half left, and then we're we're done until hopefully we hear about season three. Uh, yeah. So you're like, yeah, hey, you've been busy the last few years. You've done a few uh, Netflix movies and. Uh... Now you're, of course, on Bless This Mess, and uh, I want to talk about that also, but I want the listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Where are you originally from? Uh, I, I grew up in, in, like, a really small town uh, about an hour north of Dallas. It's called Pilot Point, Texas, um, which is, I mean, is probably exactly what you're imagining. It's like a Friday night lights football town um, where high school football is kind of king, you know what I mean, which yeah. is not really conducive for somebody like me who wasn't necessarily the best at football. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, it was a great place to grow up. You know, I, I was able to go out and ride my bike around town with my friends and I could stay out as long as I wanted, as long as, you know, I was home before dark. It was that kind of town. Yeah. Wow. The best, best, what's the, what's the difference between that kind of a life and now, you know, living out in LA? Well, it was, it's, it's so completely different. Like here, there's so much to do and there's so much happening and, you know, I got work here and, you know, Los Angeles is kind of a place where you can be constantly stimulated by something, you know, there's entertainment everywhere you look. Whereas like there, you kind of had to find your own entertainment. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think that's probably where my love for movies and, and music came in because, you know, uh, when my, my parents were home, they would, um, we would just watch movies all the time and, and TV shows together. And that was, that was my entertainment there. So I think that might be where I, you know, I first fell in love with this craft, but, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a lot slower, you know, nobody's in a big rush. Um, like in Los Angeles, it's, it's kind of nice to get back every now and then. Yeah. So now you mentioned like you're watching TV shows and movies or some of those, uh, TV shows and movies that you enjoyed watching that pushed you towards the acting world. Well, we used to watch, like my dad would watch everything. He, he's such a, a cinephile. And so he would be, he would be watching, you know, Braveheart and, um, you know, the Green Mile, these big epic movies um, that when I was younger, I wasn't watching, you know, growing up, I was watching things like the Apple Dumpling Gang and, you know, the Beverly Hillbillies on TV and stuff like that, stuff that my parents enjoyed as well. Yeah. Um, I grew up with a lot of Nickelodeon and Disney as well. Um, so that was kind of the stuff that that I enjoyed. And as I got a little bit older, I started watching these movies with my dad, um, these big epic dramas. And uh, and it's interesting now, I think, that uh, I, I feel like I have more of a love for comedy than for drama. And I feel like I, I feel more comfortable in comedy. Yeah. Um, but that was what we watched was, yeah, these big crazy Spielberg-style dramas. Mm. So what? Uh... So growing up, like, what, how old were you when you when you knew, okay, this is what I want to go do? Well, 
Well, it was um, I, I, from when I was really young, I had a because of my parents, I, I had this concept of what acting was. You know, we'd watch movies, and I, yeah. you know, I'd watch The Princess Bride. That was my favorite movie, and I would I'd see the you know the fencing sequences and the sword fights and and I was just like mom dad how do I do this like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life and they're like oh they're actors you know like they choreograph these things out and which is funny because my parents had never acted before they'd never but you know obviously they knew what it was so from the time I was like four years old I was like man this is that's that seems really cool that seems like the kind of job that I want yeah um and uh, I didn't do anything with it until like seventh grade, um, where I was uh, I was a pretty disruptive kid in class. So uh, my my English teacher gave me uh, an ultimatum: I could either go to the principal's office again for disrupting the class, or I could give myself a creative outlet and go audition for the play, <laughs> uh, the school play that was holding auditions that same day. So I uh, I did the auditions, obviously, and um, I fell in love with it. I was like man, this is exactly what I used to watch when I was a kid. I get to finally do this. Yeah. So it was like a revelation moment. Mm. <clears throat> so after you, do, after you did all that, uh, when you turned 18, did you start taking more, like, more acting classes? What was the next step? Yeah, as soon as I, uh, I, I, left, I left my middle school, um, and I started going to high school in Dallas, uh, at a place called Booker T. Washington. Uh, it was a performing arts high school, perform performing and visual arts. Okay. Um, and uh, they, like I said before, Dallas was an hour away, so I was making a two-hour minimum commute every single day oh, without wow. traffic wow. to go to this school. Um, because in, in Pilot Point, there wasn't a theater program for me. There wasn't any kind of class or anything. So if I wanted to be serious about it, I had to go... I had to go to Dallas. So I, I went to high school at this performing arts school. So all through my high school for four years, I, uh, um, I was taking acting classes. So like basically instead of having a football team or basketball team, um, we would have like a dance class, you know, or we would have a comedy class or a beginning acting class. So I, it was the best training I could have ever asked for. Mm -hmm. um, it was like a college level training, you know, with this great education um, that I just didn't have access to anywhere else. So uh, I was taking classes and everything from the time I was like, like 12, 13 um, is when I first started really diving into it and saying like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get really serious about this and, and, you know, try to be the best that I can. Um, you know, and then my mom found other classes in Dallas and, and around the Dallas area, like Catherine Sullivan um, in Louisville. She has a great acting for film class uh, and a, or acting for film school, rather. And uh, that was where I first started acting for film. It was because before that, it was all theater. Um, and so I was able to kind of see the difference in the mediums and, and realize, OK, I like film acting a little bit more right now, I think. Um, and so I started focusing on that, you know, and then moved to L.A. And then the rest is kind of history. Mm -hmm. So in the acting world, were there any, like any influences that you looked up to while you were like taking classes and studying and researching? Yeah, I um, I had a, I, I, I would watch everything that I could. Like if I was in a class and a teacher suggested a movie or something, I would I'd go watch it that night. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there was a period of time where. 
uh, my acting teacher that I go to now, um, he's a big Marlon Brando fan. And so he would be, he would be referencing Marlon Brando movies that I hadn't seen yet because, you know, I had, I had just kind of just started acting and, you know, so I went back and watched the men and then I watched on the waterfront and, you know, streetcar named desire and, and just saw what a like, what a master looks like, you know, um, for drama. And then for comedy, I would since like, since I was in middle school, I was a huge fan of Jerry Lewis and I had the Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin uh, Colgate Comedy Hour on DVD box set. And I would just sit and watch those episodes over and over and over again. And just the way that Jerry did his, his comedy and his physical, uh, his physical comedy was just like, this is the funniest guy on planet Earth. You know, he was like Jim Carrey before Jim Carrey. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, and yeah, and, and I was like, that's the kind of comedy I want to do. And, and you know, Brando's the kind of drama I want to do. And so, yeah, I mean, I had influences from everything because I, I just, I tried to absorb as much as I could. I tried to consume as much as I could watching movies and TV shows and reading plays um, and reading scripts. And, uh, you know, you kind of start to pick up little characteristics from each one of them. So I'm kind of, I hopefully an amalgam of all of these uh, different influences now. Mm. So, um, when you next thing when you moved out to LA, like uh, what was your first gig that you got out there? First gig I ever got, I was uh, I was actually still in high school. Um, okay. I I came to Los Angeles for pilot season in the second semester of my senior year, and um, just to see what I could do. I, I had an agent out here already, and she was like, "Yeah, if you can make it out here for a few months, um, you know, we'd love to see what we could do." So I came out and I was doing all of my school online and I was communicating with my teachers, which they were so cool about it at Booker T. They were really accommodating and really helpful in that. And they were like, yeah, we want you to go succeed in the world in this you know, career. Um, so I, I did all my school basically over email. Um, and uh, the first gig that I ever got, I, I only got one gig that entire three months that I was here. It was, uh, it was called Lab Rats. It was a show on Disney XD, and I was kind of the the rich bully um, that comes in and stows everything up. Um, it was just a one episode gig, but it was like my first taste of professional work. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, I, I mean I didn't want to leave. It was so exciting. It was the last week that I was here. I literally left really? back to Texas the day yeah the day after I wrapped filming. Um, so it was very yeah. <laughs> Waited for the last minute. So, and how long did it take you to go back to LA after that? I graduated high school. I, um, I decided to stay the summer in Texas and work at my acting studio, um, there for the summer and just try to, you know, um, see how much more I could get under my belt before I came to LA. So I felt really ready. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then, um, you know, right after that summer, I, uh, I moved back out and just committed myself to it full time and just said, you know, I, I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to try my best out here. If it doesn't work, I can go back to school, but, um, you know, I, I'll never know if I don't try. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was right. Like the same year that I graduated high school, I, I, I came out to LA. Mm. <clears throat> how did, how did it feel starting in a movie like, uh, you know, the teen movie on Netflix, Malibu rescue, because that turned into a series also. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We we knew from the beginning 
um, that it was going to be a movie and a series. Um, And we didn't know what was going to happen to it after that. Um, But we knew the whole time, like through the whole audition process, they were like, it's going to be a movie first, and then it's going to be an eight-episode series, Um, which was super cool. I, I, you know, I had never done anything like that before. And my character was just so much fun. He was so ridiculous. And I was trying to, you know, do the whole, like, Sean Penn Spicoli thing from Fast <laughs> yeah. Times. And I was like, that's the kind of vibe that I wanted. But, you know, what would that look like if you were a bully? Um, and uh, the guys that created it, um, Jed Elenoff and Scott Thomas, I had actually worked with on another show of theirs called Best Friends Whenever uh, a few years before that. So when this came up and I saw that they had written it and it was for Netflix, I was like, Oh my God, this is so exciting. I get to work with these guys again because I loved working with them. And uh, yeah, I came in and they just made it so easy for me and they were so helpful and kind and uh, really kind of let me go wild on it, you know, and nothing was really off limits for that character, which was, which was a lot of fun. And I I think they're doing another, they did like two seasons of Malibu Rescue, if I'm correct. We we did a second movie, yeah. We uh, we just shot a second movie um, at the end of last year, so I think that'll be out in the next couple of months. It's, I think it's coming out this year. Um, the Netflix the Netflix family is is crazy. Like I, I until I did Sierra Burgess as a loser, I had never done anything Netflix. But once I was a part of like that and seeing how quickly they move and. Um, you know, and, and just the fan base, like as soon as it hit Netflix, you know, I got all these new followers and people are hitting me up on Twitter and Instagram asking about the movie and then the series. And it was like overnight, it became this sensation with these younger kids. Yeah. And that was so cool to see. Like I'd never seen that before, you know, even being on television shows, it was nothing like being on Netflix. It's another world. Do you, and what do you enjoy more doing? Like, would you rather stay in the Netflix, like in the streaming world platform work or uh, network like ABC? I what? think, I think at this, like, I love, I love network comedy. You know, I mean, yeah. everybody at ABC and 20th century Fox is like, I mean, they're so sweet. Like they sent me a birthday present. It's like, they're a big family. Um, and you know, Netflix was kind of the same way. And at, you know, at this stage in the game where we are now, it feels like, you know, people are looking down upon Netflix now. Whereas like before it was like, oh, if you had a movie that went straight to Netflix, yeah, I agree. you know, it, yeah. it meant it wasn't good. Right. Um, you know, it was like straight to DVD or something like that. But now it's become it's a it's a giant mogul and people are are dying to get on Netflix because of things like Stranger Things and to all the boys I loved before. And, you know, it's like. I, there, there's no shame in doing any of it now. Like, there's good stuff on every single platform. So, I mean, I just want to work, and I want to work in good projects. And I think, you know, network TV has a lot of that to offer, and streaming services have a lot of that to offer. And it's it's a great time to be an actor because there's just so much opportunity for everybody. A lot of content out there. Yeah, definitely constant content. Yeah. So, uh, now you star on Bless This Mess. So, uh, let's tell. <laughs> Tell the listeners uh, real quick what the show's about. Yeah, so Bless This Mess is um, it's about this uh, newlywed couple, um, Dak Shepard and Lake Bell, who decide to move from New York City to the small 
uh, to the small farm that uh, Dax's aunt had owned in Nebraska. So they pack up everything and they, you know, it's like classic fish out of water story. And they realize that the simple life is much more difficult than they were led to believe originally. And, uh, you know, I, I play the, uh, the son of the neighbors, um, who are the Bowmans. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's this, there's this really fun competition between Mike and Rio and, uh, my parents. Um, and, uh, you, you kind of see over time that Mike and Rio become assimilated to this town and, uh, you know, it, I coming from a small town myself, it was really nice to be able to be in a show that portrayed these small town communities for what they are, which is very accepting and loving of new people and very helpful. Um, and I think that's what this show is great at doing is, is just showing the heart of small town America. Now, you play Jacob. Uh, tell us about your audition when you first went in there for the show. Yeah, my uh, my audition um I was probably the most nervous I've ever been for an audition because I was such a big fan of Liz Merriweather because of new girl, um, before I auditioned for it. So it's my favorite show when it was on, I I watched it every single week and very few shows, uh, in recent years have I watched every single week, you know? Um, I just, I loved it. So when this came up, I was like, Oh my God, I've always wanted to work with Liz Merriweather. Um, on one of her shows in any capacity, even if it's a one episode, one line kind of thing. I was like, I just think she's got so much to offer. And, um, it, yeah, I was crazy nervous. Um, the, the original casting breakdown for it, I didn't feel like I fit physically. Um, <laughs> he was supposed to be much more like ripped and, and, um, you know, he was like the hunky farm boy that worked in the town store. And then it kind of changed over time. Um, but I went in and I read with Seth Yankowitz, the casting director. And uh, I guess he liked what I brought into it. The kind of innocence and the, the childlike sensibility that Jacob has now on the show. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I took into the audition process. And then I had my callback with Lake and she's fantastic she's such an, an incredible improviser an incredible comedic actor and uh so she was when i did my audition with her it was like okay let's play let's uh you know don't worry about the lines so much let's just kind of like talk to each other and come up with something mm-hmm. and uh i tested after that it was me and i think two other guys as far as i know um and i had my test and i was in the room with lake and seth and liz merriweather for the first time uh, and Jake Kasdan, who is an executive producer, who um, I didn't know that I was a huge fan of his. But <laughs> I was in the room and I made a reference to an episode of Freaks and Geeks. And uh, everybody in the room started laughing. And I was like, what's so funny? And Jake just goes, so nonchalant. He was like, I directed that episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. Oh my God. Cause I didn't, I didn't realize that he had directed that. I mean, I wasn't saying anything bad about it. It yeah. was all really positive stuff. It's one of my favorite shows. Um, but, uh, it was just funny because I made the, I, randomly, I made this reference to freaks and geeks and it just so happened to be one of the episodes that he directed on the show. And I was so embarrassed that I didn't know that, but he was so kind and generous about it. Um, and from there it was like, okay, there's nothing that I can do worse than that. So let's just go. <laughs> um, 
And, uh, yeah, and then I booked it um, like a week after that test. Um, it's crazy exciting. I started crying in a CVS. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you wanted it really bad, so it's awesome. Yeah. You worked for it. How would you, So how would you uh, describe Jacob? Like I said earlier, Jacob's kind of like uh, he's kind of like a big golden retriever. Yeah. You know, he 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 wants to please everybody, and he wants to help. He wants to be helpful in any way that he can, and he's just got this childlike innocence about him, um, uncorrupted by the evils of the world. And uh, it's really fun to play because I feel like we lose that as people so early in life because of, you know, the news or, you know, whatever it is, um, just the craziness of the world as it exists. Um, and Jacob doesn't have any of that. He's just, just happy, you know, and, and, um, it's a lot of fun to play. He's, he's just such a sweet kid. Um, and genuinely just, if he does something wrong, it's like, he doesn't realize that he did something wrong. Um, he just doesn't want to disappoint anybody. And that's, you know, that's really fun. Yeah. Did you, uh, so after you got the role and you started preparing for the role, like, uh, did you feel like you were comfortable because like you grew up in a small area in Dallas? Like you had an idea how you wanted to play this character? Yeah, I knew the, I knew the, um, I knew the town that they were creating. I knew the community that they were creating. Yeah. So I felt very comfortable with that. And, you know, um, my, I, I grew up going to, our family's ranch in South Texas, uh, where my mom grew up. And, um, you know, my, my grandfather's a cowboy. Both my grandfathers were cowboys. And it, so it's like, I knew this world and I knew, um, I knew these people. And so I felt very comfortable in that. What was, what was so scary for me was being on that side of the, the table now, um, is being a series, right? It's my first series regular job. And, I had never had, you know, that kind of access where, you know, the creators of the show are asking me my input on things. And they're like, Hey, let's get your opinion on, you know, this character or this line or whatever. And I, I was so nervous. I was like, no, you guys know better than me. Um, you know, I was like, what do I know? I'm just the, you know, I'm a nobody kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it, there was a lot of nerves of like, I don't want to screw this up. Um, but you know, very quickly, uh, you know, during the first season, it became a family. And, you know, with Pam Greer and with Ed Begley Jr. and with Dax and Lake and Lennon and David, it's like everybody wants everybody to succeed. And everybody's just so kind and loving on the show. It makes it so easy. So it put all of that, you know, all that nervousness to rest. Mm. So, so speaking of the cast, how is it working with the cast and uh, any – like what's the vibe on the set it's it's like i was saying it's the best ever everybody's so happy and laughing all the time That's awesome. you know i mean we're working with the funniest people in television you know and um these total legends of film and tv and i mean freaking pam Greer's on it <laughs> you know it's like it's it's crazy and and you'd think that it would be this you know, like this level of, oh man, that's Pam Greer, but it's not, she's just so down to earth and just a real person. And, you know, we talk about her horses and we talk about her ranch in Colorado and she just feels like family now. Um, 
and the cast is the cast is amazing it's it's the most fun i've ever had on a on a show um because in between takes we're just trying to make each other laugh and that's my favorite thing to do um so yeah the vibe is amazing now they've been in the they've been in the entertainment industry for a long time have they given you any advice or anything while you're working yeah especially during the pilot because i think they could tell i was pretty nervous yeah um like there were a couple of moments one line in particular i I just wasn't i couldn't get it didn't make any you know I, i couldn't make heads or tails of it and dax like very kindly came over and was like hey um i don't know if this helps or not but you know uh this is maybe kind of the vibe that will get you to that point that you're looking for um and kind of walked me through um not even necessarily what the writers wanted but something that would make it easier for me to find um he was like i played this character on idiocracy and you know this was kind of the vibe that i uh went at it with so maybe that helps so yeah they're extremely helpful and like i said everybody wants everybody to succeed um we're all trying to make the best show that we possibly can um so it it you know it works well for everybody if uh if we help each other out now do you have a do you like a favorite scene or episode that you were that you had a big part in that stands out from other episodes well uh next week's episode actually um episode 214 uh, it's called Volsung and the Beef Boy. And uh, it was probably the most fun I've ever had shooting anything ever. Because I, I get to play guitar, which I, I play guitar since I was like 10 years old. So and I'd never gotten to play before in a TV show or anything. So that was very exciting for me. It was a first for me. And I mean, we were we were playing metal music and uh dax and i had a lot of great scenes and we were kind of playing um off character for this episode um you know what i mean like we i don't know i don't really know how to describe it without giving too much away but it was oh my god it was so much fun um you know and i think every single episode has a has a moment like you know whenever i cut my thumb off and uh yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) there's all there's something in every episode that is a lot of fun, but the, that whole episode, episode 214, um, was just, I mean, I, I never had so much fun. Now that you've been in the entertainment world for a few years now, like, uh, what do you tell people that come up to you and tell you that they want to get into the acting world? What do you tell them? I always say, get yourself into a class. Um, because there really that's the only advice I have because I don't really, I don't know how to get an agent. You know I mean? I kind of, I kind of got my agent through really kind of, um, you know, uncommon circumstances. You know, it was a, I was in a class in Texas and I did a scene for my now agent and she liked it and she signed me from that. And so it's like, I, my, everybody's path is so different, but the only thing that I can say that's universal is that class is the most helpful thing. Yeah. Um, it gives you confidence when you go into the room. Um, ideally, you should be doing these like crazy hard scenes, right? So that when you get that three, four, five page audition that you're stressing out about, it's easy um, because everything else in your class is so much harder. You know, going back to football, it's like if the practice 
or if the game is the hardest part of your whole week, then you're doing something wrong. Like the practice should be the hardest part of the week. The game should be easy. Um, so even now, like, even though I'm on the show, I still am in class, um, every single week. Uh, I still put up multiple scenes, um, every night that I'm in class, um, just cause I want to continue to grow and I want to continue to get better. And I think the class is the only way to do that. Yeah. Hmm. So now, do, you, do you have like a dream role that you want to play someday? Man, I have always wanted to play Elvis Presley in something. And I, I have been penned to play Elvis, I think four times now. There have been four projects that I've I've come down to like me and two other guys, and uh, you know something always happens and I I don't get it and I'm just like one day <laughs> I'm gonna age out of it soon I'm gonna have to start playing Fat Elvis, <laughs> but I'm I'm like oh, man it's uh, one day it's gonna happen and it's gonna be a dream come true I've That's always awesome. wanted to play Elvis. So are you? I assume you're a huge Elvis fan, man. Huge, yeah. My my grandma was playing Elvis for me from when I was a baby and uh I mean I just rockabilly in general um you know music from the 50s and 60s is my favorite um Little Richard Chuck Berry Elvis Presley Carl Perkins Gene Vincent Billy Lee Riley it's like these guys are are my favorite so yeah I'm, I'm a huge Elvis fan and just to get to portray that era and portray a legend like that would be I mean, the best thing I could imagine. Did you uh, enjoy his movies? Did you ever watch his movies? Oh, yeah, man. King Creole is the best. Yeah, I actually enjoyed uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the Hawaii one there. Uh, was it Blue Hawaii? Oh, Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii, yes. Blue Hawaii rocks, man. <laughs> I mean, Love Me Tender is a classic, yeah. and obviously he's the best actor of his generation, but <laughs> something about King Creole. Yeah. Creole is my favorite. Yeah. So uh, when you're not working, you're not acting. Uh, what do you enjoy doing in your downtime? Uh, I do a lot of antiquing, and I go to flea markets and uh, I collect vintage clothing. Primarily, that's my main thing. I also do um, like porcelain signs, um, but I send all that to my parents. They have a really cool um, barn in in Texas, and. Uh, it's all decorated with these cool porcelain signs that I found. Um, but my main thing is just I go to flea markets and vintage stores every single day that I'm not working. Um, or I'm on eBay or something. I'm a, completely obsessed with it. Um, so if you have any old T-shirts that you want to sell me, I'll buy them. What kind of like what kind of like vintage shirts? Like, 80, like 80s, 70s? Like what is it? Yeah, 70s, 80s, 90s. Okay. Um, What's your favorite one? It's funny to say. Ooh, um, my favorite one. I I it I think the one that I found that took me the longest uh, was a Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Um, one of my buddies' uh, dads is Stephen Kyoto, and uh, who created that film with his brothers, and they did all the clowns and everything for it. And uh, it took me so long to find this shirt because it's super rare. They only did it on one type of shirt with one type of ink and it was just one graphic. So to find an original one took me like a year and a half and I finally got one. So that was my biggest triumph. I think that I've had so far Uh, for these shirts. Do you actually wear them or do you just like store them somewhere? 
Yeah, I wear them. I yeah. think you're supposed to. It's like it's a T-shirt, you yeah. know. There are some that are are too far gone. Like I found this uh, really really rad Nightmare on Elm Street three shirt at a Goodwill, and it was so thin. But um, and and I I'm afraid to wear it because I don't want to like rip it or yeah. you know I don't want it to deteriorate anymore. So I keep that one stored away. But for the most part, yeah, I mean I think it's a T-shirt. It's like it's art that you can wear. Um, They were made to wear. It's like people that don't want to drive their nice car or something. It's like, no, that's what you're supposed to do. It was meant to be driven. It's a car. Um, So yeah, I wear all of it. That's awesome. Hey, real quick, tell us about the share a meal, share a meal that you volunteer with. Yeah. Share a meal is, uh, is this incredible organization um, that my girlfriend and I have, uh, had been volunteering for, for the last few years. And, um, it's this food truck that, uh, goes to different parts of LA five days a week and feeds the homeless. So a bunch of volunteers will gather at the truck at whatever location it's at. We usually go to the Hollywood location, uh, cause it's just the most convenient to us. Yeah. And, um, they get on the truck and they roll these vegan burritos. So it's like rice and some beans and, um, it's all like handmade. And um, then we pack them in these bags and we walk around the location. Um, you know, different different groups will go on different routes. So, like, the route that my girlfriend and I used to lead was, um, like, it was, like, Vine and Cahuenga and Sunset, like, that area. Um, and we walk around and we hand out these burritos and granola bars, bottles of water, socks, you know, anything like that. Um to, uh, to help these people out, you know, and it's not just feeding the homeless, it's feeding anybody that's hungry. Yeah. And that's what's so great about it. You know, it's like, there's no agenda. There's no, um, you know, it's not connected to any other kind of organization. It's literally just people that gather to, you know, help people in need. And, uh, I think that's what, you know, that's what we could all be doing more of, you know, I certainly could. Um, it's, yeah, it's amazing. That's great. That's great. Lastly, uh, how can the listeners find you on social media? It's pretty, it's just my name on, uh, on everything. I, I only do Instagram and Twitter. Um, on my Instagram, it's at JT underscore Neil. And my Twitter is JT underscore Neil underscore IV. Um, and I'm, I'm verified on there. So they'll know that it's me. And I try my best to reply to comments and tweets and things like that. I, I really love when people, engage with me on there so uh yeah that's the best way to do it all right jt this was fun thank you for coming on yeah thank you elias i appreciate it that's a wrap that's a wrap everybody that's a wrap thanks for listening to the man cave chronicles podcast i finally get my man cave you can find us on twitter facebook and instagram at the mcc podcast and our website the mccpodcast.com until next time